Uh, well, how about we go to the word, uh, Lord in prayer before we open up his word. Uh, Lord Jesus, we come to you today and um, we are grateful um, that we get to come and worship you, that we get to come and celebrate what you have done for us, that we get to come as a family, as a body, and, and do this. Lord, I pray that uh, what we do here today, that we would take it to heart, that it would continue to transform us, transform us by your word, so that as we go into our community, Lord, we are able to shine the light of Jesus uh, wherever we are and to whoever we encounter. Lord, that is our desire. That's our job. Lord, you've you've kept us here to be uh, your hands and feet. And Lord, I pray that we would take that seriously. And that would be our, our, our desire to see this community changed for your name, Lord, and for your glory. So Lord, as we come... Uh, give us wisdom, give us guidance uh, as we walk through some verses, as we uh, look at the, your life. Lord, just give us uh, what we need today to go out confident in your name. We come in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. And I'm going to be an emotional wreck during this whole time. And Kim's good enough. She's great. She supplies me with the tissues I need right up here. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, Gospel of Luke chapter 11, um, somewhere around 29 to about 41. We're going to skip around a little bit and look at this section, this, the life of Jesus, and see what he's got some pretty powerful words, I think, to share with us today, a challenge, a challenge for us today. He's going to talk about light. Today we're going to talk about Jesus as the light that we need to turn our eyes to. Not just in a salvation experience, uh, that we may have a one-time experience where we, we come to Christ, come in saving faith to Christ, but we need to continually turn our eyes to Jesus as our Savior, our Lord, as the light of our lives, Lord. Uh, that's what we need to do. What does light do? What does light do? We've got some candles and stuff here. We've got these lights up here. What, what does light do? Dispels the darkness. You're reading my notes. <laughs> does Kim give you a copy of that ahead of time? No? I guess. Scatters. I said scatters. Scatters the darkness. Dispels the darkness. Scatters the darkness. It reveals what's in the darkness, right? Light comes into a room. You think of a, a dark room. I'm, I woke up this morning. The house was dark and I start turning on lights and all of a sudden it reveals what's in the room for me so I don't trip on toys and dogs and cats and all those kind of fun things. What if you enjoy the darkness? It kind of exposes the evil that we may enjoy, the, the sin that we may actually enjoy walking in. Light, I think, brings hope too. Think about light brings hope, and you go into a, a dark space, brings hope. I, I've, I've not been one to do caving, but Dave Coronado here takes kids and groups caving and whatnot. You're in dark spaces. Imagine if you go into a space, and it's dark, and you like turn on that flashlight. It's like, oh my goodness, I can see in front of us, <laughs> right? I can see in front of us. It brings hope. It brings hope. Jesus is also going to say that the light also brings judgment, we're going to talk today about the hope that it brings, but also the judgment that light brings as it's revealing what's in the dark. Light is also a sign of something new, and that's going to tie into what we're talking about as well. 
Again, today, Jesus is the light that we need to turn our eyes to continually, continually seeking out that light. Let me read. We're going to be in, like I said, Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you and the seat pockets in front of you. I encourage you to follow along. Luke chapter 11. Let me read verses 33 through 36 for us here. This is Jesus talking. No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. We're going to talk about Jesus as the light. And again, this is a, a section of, of Scripture here, a section of Jesus' words that's going to bring hope for us, but it's also going to bring a strong warning of judgment and, and a warning for us. Now, we've talked about this before. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. As Luke is writing this story, Luke is writing his gospel account, Jesus has made a turn in his ministry and he's walking towards Jerusalem. He's making his way towards Jerusalem. His eyes are set on Jerusalem, where what is going to happen? He is going to go to the cross on our behalf. This is where Jesus is going right now. He's going to take, it's going to take a little while to get there. We're, ha- we're halfway through this book. But he's on his way to Jerusalem. N.T. Wright says this, Jesus is constantly saying in one way or another that God's light will shine out and expose the darkness that has taken hold of the heart's in the minds of his contemporaries. And this is who Jesus is speaking to. He's got a group of people around him, and he has some, some words of hope, but also of a warning as well. And I think he's speaking to us today as well. But he doesn't go right into the, the story of the, the lamp on the post or the, the eye as the light of the body. He starts out with this in verse 29. As the crowds were increasing, people loved Jesus. Why did they love Jesus? Why did the crowds love Jesus? For what he was, could do. Potentially what he could do for them. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Okay, so obviously Jesus has never read the work of how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> This generation is an evil generation. Start your talk out with that. I'm going to stand up here and say, you know what? This group of people right here is an evil group of people. This may be the last Sunday that you ever come to this church, (laughs) right? This is not a winning strategy, (laughs) you know, by, by the world standards. This is not a winning strategy. But oftentimes the crowds for Jesus, oftentimes the crowds weren't a sign of a success for Jesus. And this is where we kind of can get mixed up in, in our church movements, all right? They, they weren't a sign of success for Jesus, but they represented what was wrong with the thinking of the day. Jesus, give us what we want. Jesus, do what we want. Jesus, provide the miracles that we want. And he addresses that here. He says, this is an evil generation because all you want are those, those signs, those wonders. He's going to talk about, they're not listening to him. They're not catching on to what actually is going on and how uh, the kingdom of God is coming into their midst, how God is standing right before them. They want someone who tickles their ears. They want someone who tickles their ears. And as a pastor, I, I mean, I love to talk to a full room. 
you're a pastor, you probably love to talk to a full room as well. But we can't get sucked in to tickling the ears of the crowds. And this is not what Jesus does. And he starts out strong. He starts out strong with this group of people. The crowds were increasing this generation, this evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Verse 30, for just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. But she came from the ends of the earth. She came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. He's going to talk about the light. He's going to talk about the hope that he brings. But he starts out comparing his contemporaries to two familiar Old Testament stories. And he starts out with Jonah. Jonah's, Jonah's really a, a comical figure from the Old Testament. If you think about Jonah and, and his ministry, <laughs> his ministry is quite the ministry. He is the prophet that you do not want to be like, right? I mean, are you familiar with Jonah and what he did? You know, right? He's the one who, who God gives them a word and says, go to this, the city of Nineveh and preach to that city and they're going to repent. And what does he do? He says, no, no way. I'm getting on that boat. I'm going on this other boat. And he gets on this other boat going as far away as he can. The storms come up. Everybody's praying to their gods on this ship, right? And he says, oh my God, this is my fault. He, re- he recognizes this is my fault. God's bringing judgment on this because of what I've done. And in the story, what? He gets thrown over and literally becomes fish food. All right, so this is the prophet. He runs away from God, runs away from the, the word that God has given him, the task that God has given him, ends up in the belly of the fish as fish food. He gets spit out, goes to Nineveh, walks to the middle of the city, and gives just about the worst sermon ever, right? And all of a sudden, the city is repenting and turning to God because of that, right? And then what does he do? He goes out and throws a little hissy fit because the city actually repented. He's not the prophet that you want to be modeled after. Jonah gets mad because Nineveh repented and God spares them. He gets mad at them. Matthew says, for as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. This is the sign that you're going to get, Jesus says. This is your sign. You, you like the bread. You like the fish that I'm handing out. You like when I'm, I'm healing in the streets. You like when I go to your homes and I heal. Uh, right, all this kind of stuff. You like when I, the, the crowds may have even liked when you're pushing against the religious leaders because there's, there's burden and, and everything. That they were piling on to the people. You like all that stuff. This is the sign you're going to get. This is the sign that will prove that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And it's going to come like Jonah as he was swallowed by that fish for three days. So I will be in the earth, in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And here's Jesus. We, we see Jonah, this, this comical prophet. Comical prophet. Here we see Jesus, anything but comical. The Son of God, bringing just truth, straight truth to this group of people, telling people to do what? To repent. 
This is what Jonah's message was. This is what Jesus' message was. Repent, but Jesus is there with his people, the nation of Israel, God's people, telling them, now's the time, now's the time, now's the time to repent. You've been waiting, you've been waiting, and you've been waiting. Now's the time to repent. And what do the people do? They ignore Jesus' message. Whereas Nineveh, even with Jonah's messed up sermon, are the whole cities in sackcloth in repenting, right? The people with Jesus are missing what he's doing and they're ignoring his word. They're ignoring his instruction. And then he goes to Solomon. Solomon, who was Solomon? King Solomon. Wisest man who ever lived, right? According to the scriptures, wisest man who ever lived. Legendary. People would travel from all over the world to be in his presence, come into his, his, his house and, and get guidance and wisdom from Solomon to, to have him give a, a, a judgment or render a verdict in their, their case. It says the queen of the south came to hear Solomon's words. Traveling from Africa, all the way from Africa to go and hear Solomon's wisdom in his words, and here is Jesus, someone greater than Solomon. And hardly anyone is taking his message seriously. They're missing the light. They're missing the light. His disciples really aren't clear about what Jesus is all about, right? I mean, they, they really still don't get what, they're not going to get it until after the resurrection. What, they don't get what this Messiah is all about, and they're, they're following him every single day. The religious folks, we just saw this a couple weeks ago, they're, they're telling him that he's from the devil. The works that he is doing, it comes straight from the devil. This is what the religious folks are, are telling him. The crowds are just clamoring for more. Give us, give us more, give us more of a show, give us more of a show. No one is picking up on what is happening with Jesus and his ministry and the, the movement that he is creating. It's a great reminder that people are people. People of Jesus' day, they missed what he's doing. They're human. We're human. Sometimes we can miss it too, can't we? Do, we? do you ever feel like you've missed, missed something that Jesus has laid right in front of your, your feet? We can miss the call if we're, if we're not careful. But the great thing about Jesus is he doesn't cast them away. He doesn't cast, he's, he gives them straight truth. This is a, a very straight on message, right? A very, very message full of, of truth. And he's just, hey, I'm gonna put this right in front of you. But he still has compassion. And we can see from where Jesus is as we talk about him walking to Jerusalem, we can, we can draw a line between like here and then as he's approaching the city in Luke chapter 19, as he approached, this is Jesus, he's approaching the city, he saw the city, and he wept for it. This is the compassion Jesus has for his people, saying, if you knew this day uh, what would bring peace, but now is hidden from your eyes, for the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Jesus is weeping over the city because they're, they're missing. His people, God's people, are missing the Messiah that they have been praying for. 
for hundreds of years. And here he is, and he shows up, and Jesus weeps for those who are missing it. Sometimes we get frustrated with people, right? We, why, why don't they get it? Why won't they just change? Why won't they do it like we're doing it? Jesus weeps for the people who are missing it, who are missing the light. It's as if, as he goes on, it's as if this generation that he's talking about, these people that are in his midst right then and right there, it's as if those who are missing it during that day, they'll be judged by those who have eyes to see. Nineveh, queen of Sheba. What do those folks have in common? They're foreigners. They're outside. They're outside of God's people. But here they stand up. Luke 11, if you're following along, Luke 11:31, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up. Queen of Sheba will rise up. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. He uses the word rise and he uses the word stand here to describe what's going to happen with these folks who are going to be standing in judgment over this generation who's, who's missing it. The, this, this word rise and stand up, they, they both basically mean to um, be brought from a low position to a high position. A low position to a position of authority. Their, 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 their words about, about taking a, a position, setting yourself up to be able to judge. To be in a position to judge. And they're people outside of God's group, so they think. But they're the people who see it, and they're the people who have repented, the people who have grabbed onto what God is doing. These words, rise up and stand up, also speak to some aspects of resurrection. And Jesus knows that his audience would have been aware of the coming resurrection of the dead on the day of the Lord. They were, they were waiting for this. They were waiting for this. Like we, we talk about waiting for the second coming of Jesus. They are waiting for this day of the Lord. And they expect, they expect to experience this as God's people. When God comes back, he's in their midst. People are, are raised from the dead. The nation of Israel is basically raised from the dead to, to, to now enter into this new era with God as their, their king, as their God. And they do expect judgment to be a part of that, but they don't expect it to be happening with their group. They expect it to be happening with Nineveh, with Rome, with the Queen of Sheba. Those are the people with this. The judgment comes for them. And Jesus is saying, no, no. Because they had eyes to see, because their eyes were open to what God was doing, they will be the ones who are in a position to judge. And you're missing, you're missing it. You don't, you're not recognizing the light that is standing right in front of you. And so this light of Easter is filled with hope. It's also a light of judgment for those who choose to look away or just close their eyes to what's right there in front of them. Jesus 
is the light that we need to turn our eyes to. And we get back to where we started in the beginning. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come and see may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. When it's bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Take care then that your light, the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. Oftentimes we kind of key in on this, the, the phrase, hey, your, your eye, your eye is the light of your body. And we, we sort of get caught up on, hey, we got to keep ourselves clean and clear and, and make sure we're not um, getting ourselves into to, to trouble or seeing bad things or wrong things. That's not the whole gist of this passage of what Jesus is talking about. Again, he's, he's focusing it back first and foremost on himself as the light of the world. And he basically says, I'm the light of the world. Everything else, no matter if it looks like light or not, is considered darkness. I am the true light. We're, we're all going to see negative things in our life, bad things, whether we intentionally want to or not. In a, in a world full of media and advertisements and whatnot, you know, we, we'll see this stuff all over the place. And so he's not equating with that with sin, but sometimes we get caught into this, this guilt cycle that thinking when we, we stumble, you know, um, we've diminished our worth with God and we have to like start over. Uh, sometimes this leads us down a path of isolation. We're like, okay, I just can't see anything in the world around me. It leads us, leads us into a passive path of isolation where anything around us becomes a stumbling block and, and it's going to cause us to be separated from, from God. And that's not the point of this passage. Jesus says, I am the light. I want to fully illuminate you. Let my light shine through you. He's telling a bigger story here. The light has come. Jesus, Jesus is that shining light. He's the light on that lampstand, right? He's, he's saying to the people, hey, I'm the one on this lampstand, lampstand shining bright for all to see. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? And when you accept Christ as your Savior, it totally transforms who you are. And the darkness that, that filled us, it would be pushed out by the light that Christ provides for us. He's asking people, what are you doing with this light that is standing here right now, right before you? This is a question for us too. Do, you, do we embrace it? Do we close our eyes to it? Do we try to snuff it out? Like some people were doing back in Jesus' day. He says, he says yeah, be, be careful. There is, a, there is a sense of that. So as he's talking about our eye and the, the health of our body, be, be careful what you are doing, what you're taking in. Uh, don't even try to reveal your own light, project your own light. Let, let my light fill you. Let my grace and love fill you. Don't chase after the darkness. Everything else, again, any other light that, that's shining out there is, is darkness compared to what Christ can provide for us. And he's talking to his people. He's talking directly to, to God's people. 
They've been promised this light. They've been waiting for this light. They've been given the light. And do they have the eyes to see it? This is where he frames this conversation with the, the statements before, hey, you're seeking after the things that aren't primary. They've been clearly given the signs of Messiah. But they keep, no, no, we need, we need something else. We need something else. Apostle Paul is a great example. He, he closed his eyes to the truth of Jesus. Beginning of his life, beginning of what he would consider his ministry for God, he closed his eyes to the light of truth that came through Jesus. And then when he opened his eyes to who Jesus was, it totally changed and transformed what he did in the world, right? And Jesus is encouraging them to embrace and live by the light while there is still time. There's a day coming when the light will shine on everything. Luke 17 says this, For as the light flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. Everybody will see this light. What are we going to do with it? Now is the time to live lives that are fully consumed by the light of Christ. Those are the lives that will shine the brightest with the true light of Christ coming out from them. Again, he's, he's making comparison here. He says, anything else, anything else he considers darkness compared to the true light that, that he has given us. And he's going to end this. He's going to go to a dinner party. We're going to end this in the, the dinner party. It's a good reminder for me. Jesus always cleans his own house first. When you look at his ministry, what he's doing, when you look at the, the letters to the churches and what they're doing, when you look at the, the book of Revelation and the, the, the light and the judgment that comes in the book of Revelation, where do they always go to first? Cleaning out their own house. Cleaning out their, their own people. The light has come. Embracing the light means that you let it fully transform you from the, the inside out. And in verse 37, as he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he, Jesus, went in and reclined at the table. See how he doesn't give up on this? Doesn't give up on people? When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed. So Jesus is reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not, Jesus did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. But the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. Verse 40, fools, didn't he who made the outside make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. He's making comparison about just outward piety versus inward transformation here. He's, he's immediately applying this lesson in the Pharisees' home. They were focused on their, their outward actions and, and, ref, and were reflecting on that, wanting people to see them. Again, kind of putting out this false light, this false light for everybody to see. And Jesus says, no, your, your, your insides are dirty. They're filled with the darkness. Clean out the inside as well. In fact, he says, what you give from within, give, uh, give uh, from what is within to the poor. 
And then everything is clean for you. He's not a works-based righteousness here, but he's saying what he's saying is what you do for other people reflects the state of your inside and how you're following me and how you're living a life for me. What we do from on the outside proves what is clean or what is dirty on the inside. And true piety, true religion, takes as much care about giving God our thoughts, our intentions, our motivations of the heart, as much as about the hand-washing of the day. This was really important for the Pharisees. Hand-washing, all those outside rituals, standing on the street looking clean and saying the right prayers, whatnot, putting, putting the right amount of money in the box. All that stuff was very important for them, but Jesus knew the state of their hearts. He says, you're not letting... My light illuminates you. Illuminates you. Don't miss the light. Don't miss the light. How are we doing at this today? He was talking to his contemporaries, but I think this applies for us today. Jesus' light has been shining in the world for 2,000 years, right? Since his resurrection, Jesus' light has been shining for 2,000 years. Are we any better at recognizing it than Jesus' audience was? Do we see the light that Jesus offers as far better than any other light the world has to offer? I mean, he calls all that other stuff darkness. It's like darkness. It's like darkness. It's the stuff you want to hide in. The stuff you want to hide in. Jesus says that the light that he has provided should be an all-consuming light, and it affects our whole person. It guides how we live and how we interact with one another. It really proves do we want to follow? Do we, are we truly following Jesus or not? Where are those places maybe within our own lives where we've got those corners of darkness that we like to hold on to? The things that we haven't given to Christ fully for him, his light to just burst in and clean us out and kind of set us on the right path. When, when our eyes are, he's talking about the eyes as the lamp of the body. When our eyes are, are healthy, right, we can, we can see, we have clear direction where we can go. Where are those places in our own lives where, that we've just allowed that darkness just to stay there? I bet you each and every one, this, this is why we continually need to, to work through sanctification, right? We, we've come to Christ in saving faith, but that's not the end of it because he's asked us to be his hands and feet, all right? And this is why we need sanctification, the, the continual changing and becoming more and more holy as Christ is holy, letting those, those dark spaces be exposed and letting Jesus' light consume us. I would also say, where are the places in our community where the light doesn't shine? And maybe God is calling us to go take our light of Christ into that space where there is no light, those, those places that other people don't want to go. And we go with the grace and love of Jesus into those spaces. So this is about us cleansing ourselves, allowing Christ's light to, to light us fully, consume us fully. But there are places in our community that are full of darkness. And Jesus may be asking you to go into a space and say, you know what? It's going to look pretty dark there. And when, when you step into that space and, and the light, my light starts to reveal things, it may look really messy there. And there, there may be some messy people who are, who are in that space and, and, and you may feel uncomfortable with them and they may feel uncomfortable with you. But guess what? This is where you get to go and shine the light of Jesus. 
Where are those spaces around us that need the light to be inserted, inserted into a space in need? And this should be very evident to the world around us. Jesus' light flowing, it's just illuminating all of who we are should be pretty evident to the world around us. Jesus talks about Solomon. Jesus talks about Nineveh, two great powers in the world. He says something greater has come than any worldly system, than any worldly power. It's superior to anything that could be dreamed up in this world. Go out there and shine your light. Our light is often tested. This is where I'm going to get choked up. As we move away from familiar environments. And later today, someone near and dear to me is moving to a very unfamiliar territory. Dad, these words are for you, but I don't even know if I can look. You're about to embark on your journey with the Air Force. We've been waiting for this day for many, many months, almost a year, as you've been planning and prepping. And it was so far away, now it's here. We've lived in New Hampshire for about eight years. And you've experienced grace and love from this church. I've known many pastors' kids through my own experiences, through stories, who've lived under unfair expectations and scrutiny. Faith Bible seems to be a place where you and your sisters can just be yourselves. This church walks with you in your joy, as well as the down times. Remember the grace and love you've experienced from your church family and pass that on to other people. You're moving to a place where you're going to encounter many different points of view, many different choices. Let them see the light of Jesus through you. It's been modeled well for you here. For 18 years, you've lived under our care in our family. We've supported you. And the support continues to go with you no matter where you are. We are proud of the decisions that you've made and are excited that you have followed God's calling in your life. This country, we are receiving a quality airman as he starts this journey. You've lived in my house as my son. As my son, you're under my authority and my protection. releasing that authority today as you move out of the house. You will always be my son, but you are now moving out from under my authority. You are coming under new authority, the authority of the Air Force. As you live, show respect, follow good instruction, and seek out quality mentors who can help you prosper in your career and your life and your faith. Besides the military, you are also moving into the authority of your of adulthood, the authority to make personal decisions and choices, your own authority to manage a future household when that time comes, 
And even though I will no longer have the parental authority over you, I will be here cheering you on, ready to give you advice and guidance as you need it. A parent's desire is always to see their children lead a better life than they did. You are an exceptional young man, taking charge of your life, making critical decisions even now, and I couldn't be more proud. In all of this, keep your eyes focused on the light of Jesus. His example and instruction will guide your way. And mistakes will be made, there will be hard decisions to process through. But because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you, you don't have to live by fear. You can live in confidence. You are a precious child of God. He has given you purpose for your life, and he's your salvation. Lean into Jesus. Continue to seek his light. And always know that your family and friends are cheering you on. We love you. After the service, after we're dismissed from the service, we're going to have a time of prayer over Thad. So those who want to stay and pray, that'll be after the service. Dear Jesus, we hopefully we have recognized you as our light and our salvation. Lord, I pray that if there is there anybody here today that has not recognized the salvation that you've provided, I pray, Lord, that today would be a day of change that they would accept you as their Savior and their Lord, that they would desire to be transformed by your goodness and your love. Jesus, I pray that this little community here that we call Faith Bible Church, that it would be full of your grace, full of your love for those who are in our community those who think differently than us, those who make different choices than we make, those who, even those who are not even desiring to be in your family or your kingdom, Lord, we've still called us to love them and to minister to them and walk in your example. I pray, Lord, that that would be our desire today. Give us the grace and the wisdom that we need. I pray, Lord, that each and every person here, that our desire would be fully consumed by your light. We come in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have kiddos in Mission Discovery, please, you can bring them back so we can do a family time of worship, and the band's going to lead us now.